This is why the West Division is going to be fascinating, because look at a team like BC. They could finish first in the West or last in the West. Either scenario, I would not be surprised. The Bombers right now made almost zero moves in the offseason. You know why? Because they didn't have to, and nobody is talking about them. That's why they may be the best team in the West. Welcome to The Waggle, presented by Sport Clips, the official podcast of the Canadian Football League. That's right. This is The Waggle Podcast. I am Donovan Bennett here with Davis Sanchez. It's brought to you by Sport Clips right here in the CFL offices. And we have some CFL football to talk about. Week one of the preseason is in the books, Davis, because week one of the preseason is one game. <laughs> I still haven't figured out. I was talking to the football ops people here last week and trying to explain how nine teams uh, have can each play two games, and I'm confused as to how. He said he explained it with the stagger week. I still don't understand, but uh, I'm not going to rack this little peanut brain trying to figure it out, and I'm not going to spend any time trying to figure it out um, because he said it's it works. I don't understand how. Uh, uh, off the top, can you think, think about it and how it worked? I mean, math is not. Yeah. A strong suit, but I mean, when you add an Atlantic team, hopefully, yeah. knock, on, yeah. knock on some wood, it's an even league, and yeah, okay, I can figure out how everyone plays two games, so then, well, how does that work if it's an odd league? There's a, there's a bunch of people who are like, this is why these guys are in football and not in something that means something, because clearly, they're not that smart. Well, the, the numbers I want to focus on are Edmonton 22 uh, BC7, get the parade route in the city of champions. Oh, the Esks have won. They are back. Mike Riley, who who needs Mike Riley when you have Trevor Harris? Well, Mike Riley didn't play in the game. So there were two different strategies in this week one game. Trevor Harris played 8 of 12 for 50 yards, connects with Greg Ellingson. That connection went from the nation's capital uh, to the the city of champions. Um, Is that a package deal? I think so. But, think so? but, but we, we will talk about another part okay. of that package and Sir Vincent Rogers and his injury and what that means for them moving forward and them being able to get a championship. But two different strategies for the first preseason game of the year. The S had a veteran heavy lineup. Maybe it's because they're out in front of their home crowd. They want to usher in this new era of football. BC is like, nah, you guys <laughs> aren't taking the trip. Trevor Harris didn't play. Most of their vets did not play. The Eskimos targeted 17 different receivers on the day. They were really trying to take a look at people, and BC was trying to get out of the game with their important players healthy. A, a different strategy early on, and in, 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 it's crazy, we were talking about preseason football in May. Well, how it works usually in the preseason is that the home team will play most of their guys. I think I think what you said is one of the reasons. I think it's a, it's a secondary reason. Not uh, and that's because they're in, the home, in front of their home crowd. I think the, the primary reason is that if you're going to travel, if you're going to travel X amount of players, you're not going to spend uh, the dollars to bring guys out who are going to play one series or two series. You're going to, and that's what the BC Lions did. That's why those guys didn't come or weren't involved in the game. So you travel the guys who are going to play, you know, the majority three quarters or a half or whatever it is. And then in your in your home game, whatever game is your home game, whether it's your second game or your first game, you will dress most likely everyone who doesn't have, isn't nicked a little bit. You wouldn't dress a guy who is a starter who is nicked a little bit. But if everybody's healthy, 
because they're home, you can trot them out there. They can go through the warm-up. They can play one series, and then they can sit down and eat sunflower seeds. So I think that's part of what the plan was for the BC Lions more than looking at their schedule. I'm just trying to trying to figure that out numbers-wise, travel-wise, and how that works. But is there an advantage? If we look at the preseason schedule, DJ, there's a, there's a, a few teams who, are, who play early like this. This is six days into camp. For mm-hmm. the BC Lions and the Edmonton Eskimo, and I listened to some of the post-game show, you know, both teams had under 250 total yards, and it's always, defense is always ahead of the offense early in camp, and I, with a backup quarterback, new receivers, and this, I'm talking about BC mostly, but backup quarterback, new receivers, you know, some not your starting offensive line, you're not expected to really put up offensive numbers. That's really not, not going to happen in preseason a lot, and you saw that from both sides. So do you take anything... The Eskimos play their starters for a bit. Do you take anything from that? As Sam Mitchell once said, talking about the box score of uh, some of his offensive players, zero, zero, zero. I take zero from it. <laughs> this is a game that had 24 penalties. The average in the regular season last year was 17. Come on, can you go back to the Sam Mitchell thing? Because I remember, didn't, didn't you, he, you remember that quote? Well, wasn't, he, wasn't he saying that he sees zeros in the box score, it's a problem? Yeah, yeah. right. He's looking at a bunch of guys who he had played, right. and outside of minutes, their stats were zero, zero, zero. zero, zero. zero. <laughs> it's a good um, Sam Mitchell impression, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. My guy's <laughs> just crushing his own... <laughs> His own team. Oh, it, that was that. It, we can laugh about it now because we're no longer crying about it because the Raptors are in a much better place than they were at that time. Um, shout out to all the the basketball fans from around the country who came into Toronto for that fateful game six and basically tore down the entire city as they celebrated until four a.m. Shout out to you and your and your coverage of all that. You've been Thank you've you. been all over it on. Uh, Follow DJ on social if you want uh, more stuff. Basketball, he's, he's all over the NBA and the raps as well. So it's been, you've, had, you've had some good stuff, including some stuff on our, our guy Dr- Drizzy Drake, who is uh, teetering on, on uh, ambassador to super fanboy, and people have some different opinions on that. Well, Jim Pop's got to work some magic at Drake on the sidelines at BMO, get the uh, troops fired up. No, I, it's a beautiful thing when you can be talking about basketball in Canada and football in Canada at the same time. This is like my sweet spot. But I, I do not take anything, having said all that, from the preseason. Other than, yeah. I mean, nice to see Don Yonamba, you know, a big free agent acquisition for them, get an interception, look good in that uniform right away. Uh, BC, you know, they as we mentioned, they didn't dress guys who they're expecting to play for them. They're dressing guys that they're trying to figure out if they can play. They're dressing, you know, Two receivers from Mexico to see one can these guys play in the league and two will these guys be able to absorb the rules? That's to me more so what a preseason game this early is about. There, there are as we mentioned three preseason weeks and there's only one game this week. But BC doesn't play another preseason game. They play the last game in week three until June seventh. So you've got a huge amount of time. In between this game and, and that game, they're tune up before they start the regular season on June 15th. So that's so they play early, six games in the camp, and in a big space until they play next. Other team, what's the team? Do you, do you have what? Which team plays the latest? Their first preseason game, the latest in the camp. Do we do we have that? Yeah, Hamilton and Ottawa play on June 1st. Hamilton goes to Ottawa. Then they've got a decent break. Uh, they both then play on June 6th. 
And then their their regular season starts off with Hamilton starts the season at home against Saskatchewan on June 13th. And then two days later, on the Saturday, June 15th, Ottawa goes to Calgary. So that's a... So that's 10 days before their first. So Ottawa and Hamilton are going... BC and Edmonton are playing six days into camp. Yes. Ottawa and Hamilton are playing almost 10, 10 11 days into camp. Their first, we're talking about these teams' first preseason games. Yeah, and I think, I think in this league especially, that's important when you don't have the same amount of OTAs that you do in relation to the NFL, where you have guys through your building throughout the offseason, and you do have players coming from different leagues learning new rules, and can they assimilate to the game? Can they assimilate to their positions? There, there are more defensive backs on the field. All of those mechanics matter, and the amount of reps that you get before you can show yourself on tape and be evaluated, I think certainly it matters to the players if you are playing and trying to make a team after six days or 10 days. But I also think it matters in this era that we're in because at practice, there's no hitting. So if I'm trying to, and, and it changes based on position, but you look at a guy like Shakir Ryan, had a punt return to the house. If you're a punt returner, you can only really show yourself in a game. You had a great point. You can't, you can't really show what you can do. Unless you're just dropping punts, then we, we certainly we don't care how you return them. Same thing with a middle, line, a middle linebacker, let's say. You're not going to be able to read and react yes. and, and, and make a tackle in practice, really. There are positions that you can yeah. evaluate in practice regardless great, of great hitting. Yeah. Place kicker, snapper, quarterback, even to a certain extent receiver. But running back, middle linebacker, Punt returner. Those there are those positions. Not long snapper. You said long snapper. No, because practice practice the long long snapper is no pressure. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, that's but, true. Okay, so here's but the, that get back time. Fair. Stop watch. So the question is this: Which? Uh, what's the advantage? Uh, I'll ask you first. I, I have my, my my opinions of it. What's the advantage? Playing a game if you're Edmonton and BC, playing six days in to, right away and getting the game in, or playing your first game after getting more time, eleven days if, you, if you're Ottawa and Hamilton until your first preseason game. What's an advantage for which team? I look at it two ways. If I'm you're allowed to look at it one way. No, DJ, no, I want to no, answer. No, life is all about perspective. Why do you always why do you always get to control the show? It's supposed to be a. It's supposed to be a mutually beneficial show. You always, it's it's always a, your way. It's in my contract. Seaball right. said, "Listen, you're going to do this. Make sure you control the show. <laughs> um, if right. you are a player trying to make a team, yeah, I want as many days of prep and practice before we're going live, uh, and it really matters in terms of the stakes. Okay, if you are an evaluator, man, I want those games early, and then I want to." Get ready for what matters. Preparing for the season. So I want to make sure. Wants it, or if you're a player, you want to play right away. No, I, I just no the opposite. I think oh, a player okay. you want you want as much time uh, okay, in camp before, before the, first the game. games. Okay, because you're not worried about week one of the season. You're right. worried about being you're on the, the team week one of the so season. So you get more time to show yourself before you play and lo- and learn the playbook, right. learn the league, okay. learn learn your teammates. Okay. If I, if I'm the front office, my my worry is I don't want. Uh, Sir Vincent Rogers. I don't want injuries. I want to know that my guys are going to be good going into the season, and that I have lots of time to in camp to prep for the season. So I want those games done early, and, and so I think that's the the different perspective that the, the the two sides have. I agree with you. So we're on the same page. If you, I think it's a huge advantage. There was conversation about how are these guys having to play a preseason game six days into camp. 
Like that it sounds it sounds crazy. It sounds way too soon. But um, we're of the same opinion. There's an advantage if you're the Edmonton Eskimos and the, and the BC Lions, because once you turn the once you turn the game film on, now you can evaluate some guys and make and make moves. You can you can cut ten guys and bring ten new guys in because now you have film on guys that you know how they. If you weren't sure how they would react under uh, the bright lights when the game's moving fast, those things you can evaluate those things. And, and make moves in camp. And also an advantage as well is you can you have the teaching tape. You have guys that are new to your team and you want to show them playing a certain front if you're a defensive line and linebackers. You want to show them playing a certain coverage and here's how we played it. Well, you can show it in practice, but in games when there's route combinations that aren't drawn up on cards and different things, when you see these things, you're able to now um, use that tape in the second week of camp to show how we did things, and then pull a player aside and say, hey, you remember against BC when they ran the 26 route and you came down? Or whatever these things you see in the game tape now is teaching tape that you have for an extra week in camp that you can use. And there, I think, is another uh, big advantage for those teams that play early. So Edmonton is a great example. Their second preseason game is May 31st. So literally on the next day, on June 1st, there's going to be a bunch of guys who are cut from the Edmonton Eskimos. That is, and this is just depending on luck of the draw, if you're a CFL player trying to make a roster, they're going to get cut before the Riders have played a preseason game, before the Stamps have played a preseason game, before the Tiger Cats have, before the Red Blacks have, before the Argos have. And so there's going to be a bunch of guys still in camps for those teams, and Edmonton is going to cut a ton of players right after the 31st game. But at that point, after May 31st, Edmonton's not thinking about who's going to make the roster. They're thinking about winning their first game, which is June 14th, 14 days later in week one. So they have a full two weeks to prepare for Montreal, to host Montreal. Montreal plays a preseason game on the 6th. So they're going to watch that game. They're going to game plan around that game. And they're going to install from the 7th on to get ready for week one. And so, again, if you're a, a young guy trying to make a team and you have until May 31st, if you're in Edmonton, to make that team, when there's a bunch of other guys in, in CFL cities who are still giving practices and opportunities to show what they're, what they're worth, that is, that's a tough ask. But if you're, if you're part of the Eskimos coaching staff in, in the front office, they're like, this, this is beautiful for us because if we want to start the, the season – on a winning note, we get Montreal, who you know probably was the worst team in the league last year. We have two weeks to prepare for them. We get to watch their second preseason game, which is going to be closer to their real team than their first. It's almost like you have a bye to start the year. I've, I've said this often and with certainty that it's more difficult to make a CFL roster if you're an American player than it is to make an NFL roster mm-hmm. just because camp is sh- so short and the national players there's so many so many spots already taken so if you're looking at a if you're looking at a, an, an American coming in you you have a cert, only a few roster spots available uh, for you because half, half are taken up from from national players and then you have a camp that's only a few weeks long i actually believe in the best players in the world are in the NFL. Let's not let's not sugarcoat that. That's a fact. But it's more difficult if you're an American player to make a CFL roster than to make an NFL roster because those camps are just so short and there's so few spots available on each team. 
Talk to me about the fight for reps in camp. Maybe you might want to butt ahead of a guy to make sure you get that extra rep. There are guys who will, and you have to play well to make this work, but maybe you're going to wear a flashy pair of cleats or some gloves or, <laughs> or, or, or go with you know an, a different color at the, the tip of your dreads so that you stand out because in, in camp, there's a bunch of guys who all look alike unless you're someone who was on that team before. The coaching staff isn't necessarily as familiar with you. They may not know you at all. You could have been there because of a scout who liked you or a GM who liked you, and you have no relationship to that coach. So talk to me about some of the gamesmanship guys will go through to make sure that they are seen and stand out in camp. Yeah, I always say early in, early in training camp, it's more important to stand out than it is to fit in. Mm. Guys want to be, friend, be friends. Guys want to fit in. And that's something that you need to do as time goes on. You want to be a part of a team that's already – the team's already there. The locker room's already – the culture's already established. And you have to then – once you make the team, you have to then fit into that, to that culture and, and, and how, how that locker room is built. But early on, forget that. If you got to slap a, a starter upside the head and, and you have to – you know, you got to do what you got to do and compete, do it. Because, yes – Guys on the team aren't going to like it. And when we go back to the dorms and we sit down at the eating, at the eating hall, us veterans are going to look over and say, yeah, uh, that Bennett kid, that clown, from, that clown from Western, that Bennett kid, whatever it is, that's, that's what we're going to say. But the, the coaches and the evaluators, when they're looking at the film, they're going to be like, I like that Bennett kid. He's feisty. He's got some, he's got some stuff to him. And so you, it's more important to stand out than to fit in early in camp. you got to compete and find ways, to your point, DJ, find ways to get noticed. Because if you just fit in and don't make mistakes and just get through practice, it's probably not enough. Yeah, you might get lost in the, in the wash. The, and that's a fine line because the veterans who are just trying to get through camp, just trying to get through healthy, take care of that body, they don't like someone who's a scout team all pro, who's going a little too hard with the reps, who, you know, when a coach says, do it over. Do it again. Line up and do it again. And the, the, the defense or the offense knows exactly what the look is. Maybe that guy's not giving a realistic look. He's going a little extra hard to stand out. And so there's a fine line. When you have those, those camp fights, often it's because someone's going a little too hard and, and someone's trying to, to regulate. It's, it's interesting because a, there's a, a fine line, a dynamic that you have to be aware as a, as a, as a guy coming in. Because if a vet, what I just said a minute ago, you got to stand out and you got to don't worry about fitting in. You got to stand out. And, but, you know, if a vet tells you, hey, look, I'm, I'm sore right now or, hey, just chill out. It's, we're, we're going, you know, 75 percent. We just played two days ago because you might. It's the same thing. These guys, Edmonton and BC just played yesterday. They're going to be out there in practice, you know, 48 hours from now. Not the day after, but 48 hours. They'll be out there running full speed. We're in a game week. You're never doing that. So if I'm a seven, eight, nine year vet. And 40 day, 48 hours after the game, a kid's running full speed, I'm going to tell him, or he's banging, or not running full speed, but banging in the interior full, full go, I'm going to tell him, hey, look, slow down, man. I'm, I'm sore right now. Give me a, you know, settle down. So you have to, you have to somewhat do your thing, find ways for you to make the, make the club, but you also have to, uh, you know, kind of understand the dynamic of the team or guys will, guys will pick on you and figure it out. They'll find a way to... Uh, slow your butt down. If you won't slow down, you're going to get double teamed and chop blocked or hit in the back or something. The guys will figure out a way to slow your, slow your butt down. With a short window to make a team and, and games coming fast and furious, the exposure for injury is real. 
especially when you've got, you know, the body doing this for the first time, right? You're getting football reps and get that football soreness for the first time. The importance for those guys trying to make the team on staying healthy is paramount. Again, why if, if I'm a young guy trying to make a team, I want those games spread out as far as possible because, as the saying goes, you can't make the club in the tub. If you are hurt, you can't give full reps. If you got an X on your jersey. I hate that saying, by the way. You hate that saying? Yeah. Just It's not because it's not true. I'm just sick of hearing it. It's fine. <laughs> Anyone out there has a... Why, were anybody? you often hurt? Yeah, I was. Actually, as a matter of fact, I was. Uh, well, you did make the club. So you, you're, 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 you are debunking that myth. I guess you were just so nice that people were like, all right, whatever. <laughs> if, anyone ha- if anyone has any other sayings that, that might go about... Uh, you can't make the tub in the club. Something that uh, you're not even saying it right. It's you can't make the club in the tub. What I say? Can't you make can't the... make the tub in the club. I don't know what you said. But it wasn't correct. You know what the heck I mean? Don't hey, do what I do, not what I say. Right. Anyone, if anybody has anything that uh, is uh, kind of is uh, something that goes with you can't make the club in the tub. Let us know because uh, I'm fed up with it. Well, Maybe. injury at this time of year is a blessing and a curse. You obviously don't want to see anyone get injured at any time, but. Sometimes when a veteran has some soreness and doesn't want to go through full reps, that gives an opportunity for someone else to step in. Or worst case, if a veteran is going to miss a lot of time, gives the coaching staff an opportunity to really explore the roster, the ratio, to see who is going to fill that void. Unfortunately, in Alberta, we've got that situation along the offensive line in, in case of Calgary with a Canadian, case of Edmonton uh, with an American. Dave Dickinson told the media in Calgary that Brad Erdos has suffered a torn patel tendon. Um, and, you know, the report is that he is out for the season. That's what Mark Stephen of CHQR is reporting. Shout that, out to our guy, Mark Stephen. Yes, that's a big blow, man. He's 29. He started all 18 regular season games last year. Uh, that was uh, on an offensive line that was dominant, you know, just 27 sacks allowed, the best in the league last year. And, and you paid Bo Levi Mitchell a lot of money. And he is not the same if he is not upright and healthy. And so now when you also factor that in the fact that Alex Singleton, at least to start, is not going to be in the middle of your defense helping the ratio as a Canadian they were potentially hoping to play more Canadians on the offensive line. With this injury, it's now in question if that's something that they can do. Well, Corey Greenwood will be, uh, he'll get the first the first shot at that, at, at replacing Singleton and, and keep it a Canadian, Canadian position, uh, I believe. Uh, but to your point, still, you, that's, that's some uncertainty. Corey Greenwood's 34 years old, and, and so we'll see if, if, if he can be that guy. Um, we talked about him last week as well. But the two, you know, this is a team that played, DJ, three three Americans on their offensive line. Yeah. And, you know, if you have, you know, the one thing about injuries to your offensive line and when you're playing, no matter how many you're playing, your depth at, at, at the Canadian spots is, is tough. And um, we'll talk about Winnipeg in a minute. And, and they, they lost two. They lost two Canadians and their interior starters, good players, one to retirement that they didn't expect, and then Suk Chung, who who left in free agency, who they obviously wanted back. But we'll talk about their their ability to replace those guys. But when you don't have you don't have depth or you know depth that you completely trust, uh, you have to go with the, with the international at that spot. It changes your ratio. And so now, when you look at this this Stamps team, that's they were you know Ryan Severe was they were going to look at 
you come Bray Williams um, and uh, maybe move, move him. Uh, he's an all-star center, but move him out to play some tackle and Ryan Severe could play, um, could play some center. But now, I mean, if Erdos is out, uh, you're gonna, it's going to shift to your whole – you might have to look at back to going three, back to having three Americans in your offensive line, which, to your point, now you go to the receiver position and, you know, how many Canadians will you play there and, and the linebackers. And do you have to go with the two defensive linemen in the interior that, that they might have to deploy? So it's, it's a, that's a big loss, a good player, and, and your depth. Injuries like this, they really test – test your depth and and that's uh that's why the season changes so quickly like what one more injury to the Stampeders offensive line a Canadian and I'm not uh, knock on I'll knock on wood for that not to happen but one more injury to that offensive line and would I would I would call it a major problem a major problem for a team that many still there's they've lost a lot of players many still think they're the cream of the crop and and it, one more loss at at a at offensive line position that's that's dangerous every snap and I think you got a problem. Well, I think Huffnagel's on the phone making a trade. Where are you, where are you getting where are you getting stud offensive linemen sure. from? Yeah, I mean, you're not. Van Zyl just got cut because uh, he was making two two forty or whatever it was, and he's a thirty five year old tackle. He just got cut and got picked up thirty seconds after he got cut for not that much less than he made. Right. That'll tell you how 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 much people are coveting these guys. Yeah. Well, listen. If, you don't pay attention to our draft coverage here at CFL.ca. This is the reason why, because these guys quickly have to play in a salary cap league, a prominent role. And so the Calgary Stampeders now are saying, okay, next man up, David Brown, Justin Lawrence, guys we drafted last year, you're going to have to play for us, whether it's at guard or, or at center. And then guys that we looked at, Zach Williams and Jalen Guthrie, who we drafted this year, you guys may have to dress for us and be swing guys for us. We talked about Herdy Mayala a lot, didn't mm, we? You did. The receiver from Connecticut. Why would, why would this injury matter for him? Mm. He might, they, they like him a lot. They might have wanted to slowly integrate him into the offense. Hmm. He's a first-round talent. Lamar Durant's gone. He might now, this injury, this is how the dominoes fall. This injury, Herger Mayala might be a rookie who's starting on day one. Right. And I think that is why, even though Erdos isn't as good of a player as Sir Vincent Rogers, who is out indefinitely in Edmonton, and he's younger, you know, Sir Vincent Rogers is 33 at this point, so this is when the injuries start to creep up in your career. I think it's more impactful because of the impact that it has on the ratio. But left tackle obviously is a a position that you circle and you want to feel confident about, which is why they went and they got him in free agency after, you know, he helped Ottawa get to two great cups over the last couple of years. That's a huge loss. It is. It really is. And and it, it impacts the, the, the confidence of the quarterback in Trevor Harris because he knew he had a guy on his blind side that he trusted. And in a triceps injury, it's you know, something that's six to nine months. You can't really apply that the same to all positions. If, if you are a corner and you have a triceps injury, you may be able to come back from that a little bit earlier than if you were an offensive lineman. I spoke to Sir Vincent Rogers yesterday, and he told me he will be back this season. Okay. He said, watch. He said, I will be back this season. So he, he believes he'll be back. Will they still be in the hunt when, he, when he's back is the question. because, And that's interesting information because I wonder if that impacts what they do. Because if it was an injury where he was done for the year, which is the situation in Calgary, and they're making decisions based off that, does that change the thinking of – Edmonton, where 
I would think the play would be to take Colin Kelly, who's your right tackle, and move him to the left tackle and then figure out what you're doing on the right side. But if Sir Vincent Rogers is coming back, do you want to be making multiple changes on multiple spots throughout the year? It'll be interesting to see how that plays. That's a great – you just said something. That's a, a, a great point, moving Colin Kelly over to left tackle. I remember last year – I just thought of this right now. I remember last year speaking to Brock Sunderland in the offseason. I think it was at the Combine, not this year, but the previous year. And there was some uncertainty as to who would play. Oh, that's where because Figueroa had left to VC. And so there was uncertainty as to who would play left tackle. And I remember him, I remember Brock, clearly Brock saying to me, you can find guys to play right tackle. As long <laughs> as your left tackle is solid, you can find guys that can play that can play right tackle because and he didn't seem concerned. Is that why? Because he didn't seem concerned. He's actually because it, it was something I didn't know. I thought your tackles. I know left tackles usually your stud guy, mm-hmm. but I didn't know that there was. It wasn't. He didn't feel like it was a big deal that uh, that you could find a right tackle. Is yeah. it because you can? Why is it easier to to, um, to scheme to help him? Because can't you also scheme to help your left? Why is it? Why is it that easy? Well, as a quarterback. If if I'm going to have pressure, I want to see it, right? So I can get the ball in my hands a little bit quicker. We can go quick game, right? Make three-step drops, five-step drops instead of seven-step drops. We can just create, you know, a hot, even if it's not a blitz, if, if that trackle is really, really struggling, the back can get to that side and help to chip before he gets out on his route. There's ways that you can help a, a right tackle be successful. Left tackle, that's you. You, if we're helping you, we're, we're all in trouble because we can't help everywhere. And that's why I think these two injuries early in camp, again, we're not even in June, they impact the way I look at what was already a crazy deep and competitive West. And, and, and you, the way you look at the, the depth charts going into the season in the division, because I mean, Sir Vincent Rogers is an all-star, and it was a big free agent acquisition. And, and, and as you said, it won't be for the entire year, so he says. But even if he comes back, are you getting that all-star level production? I mean, people who have listened to this podcast know that I was really high on Edmonton's offseason. And now, with the way the West is, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm less confident for sure. If- if that's if that means when this happened last year, what did they do? They moved Matt O'Donnell on a temporary basis. They moved him out to tackle, and he can play tackle. And he took a lot of criticism and ridicule from the media in regards to their struggles, Edmonton's offensive struggles, because of him at, at, at Matt O'Donnell at tackle. And unfair criticism because he's not, he's not a tackle. He was playing tackle, and Jason Moss said, hey, look, yeah, Matt O'Donnell's doing a pretty good job at tackle. He's a Matt O'Donnell. This is Jason Moss talking. He's a, he's an all-star guard, but he's playing tackle for us because we need him to, and he's doing a pretty good job at it. Now you want to keep Matt O'Donnell back if you think he's an all-star guard. You want to keep him back at guard, and if you but if you can't uh, because of this injury, and also DJ, think of it. We think of it from um, personnel wise, the personnel wise, but also think of it from the salary cap. Like, you're not – yet. it's not going to – obviously, the numbers, you go on IR, and they'll protect the numbers. The Eskimo, I think, had the the biggest – the most money um, allocated to 
the injured list. I forget what the number was, but some huge number last year of, of money that went. Now, it doesn't go to the cap, uh, but it still goes to, to the bottom line. But in regards to their, their money now, they're spending, they spent a lot of money on a survey, and now uh, they don't have them. So can they afford to go out and pay another guy if there was a guy available, which there's probably not? Like a Van Zyl who was just available, could they have gone and and spent that? I don't know if they. I don't know if they can. So the Donald point is an interesting one because it's at some point it's a value proposition on how do you basically compete the most and not have diminishing returns. So you have O'Donnell who's an all-star guard, but he is athletic enough and smart enough that he can play tackle, even though he's a bit of a fish out of water. Is that the best situation for the roster as a whole? And then you you. Put someone else at guard who in the middle of your offensive line, you might not be as exposed. But on the flip side, that that's maybe helping your pass game, but how does that impact your run game? Offensive play callers don't just call run plays against a defensive set. Okay, where is this guy shaded? Where's the strength? Where's the boundary? They also call run plays toward a guard. If you have a guard that's mauling, that's really killing, Maybe you're going to call power to that guard. If you have a guard that's not as dominant, maybe you're going to call zone to that guard. So that changes everything. And even with Colin Kelly, is it because you're running back? Because you're giving us some, you're giving us a lot of, uh, you're giving us some depth to the to the conversation of old old line play. And you're like five foot seven. So what is, <laughs> is it? Because you're, I am five nine and three quarters. You um, are not five nine. I'm I five sure. nine and three quarters. And I tower over you. So you're not five nine you and three quarters. Tower DJ. Okay. Maybe if we're jumping, you tower over me. Sorry, but is it your your back your background as a running back? That's that's why. I suppose we're, so. And I just think yeah. offensive line. Honestly, if you if you gave me a choice on what position group that you could be dominant in, I would say offensive line. I think it makes everything better and easier. But even if you take Colin Kelly, okay, people say, oh, he was a, he was a right tackle, switch him to the left tackle or vice versa. This is not like, oh, he's a shooting guard, make him a small forward. No, you are on the opposite side of the field. You are listening to calls from the opposite ear. You are stepping and punching with the opposite hand. You're literally retraining your brain on how to do everything Oh, and you're doing it against the best players in the world, right? So th- that's why it's not as simple as, oh, he's a right tackle, make him a left tackle, and yeah, we're going to go along our merry way. You continually teach me things that uh, I, didn't, I didn't know, and, and I never thought that was possible that you, have, that you could tell me things that I don't know, DJ. I just didn't think that was capable in that little peanut head of yours, but it happens week after week. Well, I couldn't tell you how in a nine-team league with three weeks <laughs> preseason how everyone plays – Two games, but somehow uh, they got it done. So, how's the West shake out? So this is what I this is know, the conversation this, honestly, now because this injury makes this, a difference. This like we, you you mentioned ranking the West. Well, okay, that's that's cool. That's easy. And I started looking at the depth charts, and I'm like, it gives me anxiety thinking of who am I going to say is the fifth best team in this division when everyone is really really good. Some some teams are oh, you know I'm not as confident as. I should be in the quarterback situation in Saskatchewan. But, man, I look at that defense. Look at that depth chart on defense, and I'm like, oh, they could be lights out. Look at their teams. And, oh, I I mean, I love the quarterback situation in BC and Edmonton, but the Edmonton with the injury situation in their offensive line, right? So I don't don't know. And and, in Winnipeg stood pat, and I, I love the continuity, and I love their Canadians, but... 
also other people kind of got better and I don't know if they did because they lost some good offensive linemen. Uh, it's tough. I don't know. I, 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 I'm like sweating thinking about it. So uh, let's look at Winnipeg. This, this team uh, kind of, I've been enamored, enamored by uh, this team for the reasons that you just said, they didn't make any changes. So it was, they were really quiet in the off season. And, you know, I had one of our listeners message and said, hey, well, why, why are you guys not talking about the Bombers at all? And, and I, I took a step back from it and I said, you're right. We haven't, we haven't talked about the Bombers. Why? Well, the reason is because of the continuity and, and the, that they didn't need. They didn't have a lot of holes to plug. And that's a good thing. And I feel like when everyone's looking at, you know, on the surface right now, when everyone looks around the league and, and wants to, you know, want to put out preseason rankings or you want to just look at who got better and who, who, who got worse and, um, you know, what the landscape is, people are sleeping on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I mean, it's a team that won 10, game la- 10 games last year. They're, they're third, in, third in the West last year. But they got everybody back, and when I say everybody, there's they've they lost you know they lost Santos Knox and they lost Chung. Those are the two big ones. Loeffler is that's a loss. He's a, he's a good player. I, I include him as well. But I think the other two um, are bigger losses. Um, Suk Chung in particular. But what I've the the thing about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is is that they and this is what they've done a, as a team and. Uh, we mentioned earlier having the depth to be. And Calgary's done a great job over the years in in you know reloading, and we saw the injuries they've had to deal with, and and they've always come out as okay. Uh, but right now, if you lose two interior guys like the Winnipeg Blue Bombers lost of your in your offensive line, and you still have you you still have Couture, Gray, Newfeld, and Speller, all guys who are you still have five guys. Who are fighting for those three those three spots, and you've, and that's after you lose two guys. So to me, the conversation is yeah, they're they're unproven in there, and there's there's that's if you want to find a place where there's a question mark, that's it. But I think you got you know you got a first round pick in there with some you know he's got some time in the NFL, and not playing, but he's been down there, which says he probably has some talent. And then Patrick Newfeld, who played some games last year, some meaningful games. So I think you're better off than people think you are, but. Other than those two spots, where's there where's there any question on this roster? Where I'm looking across this roster, and, and, and you lost you lost Kevin Fogg as well, but you you can find a you can find a, a field corner is not going to be that difficult. I mean, you got Winston Rose in anyway, so um, there's someone right there. But the, I mean, it's it's to me there's there's no weaknesses um, on this team. They didn't get a, they didn't go out like Edmonton and uh, BC and make big splash signings. But I don't, I don't see weaknesses. I'm going to make a hockey analogy. St. Louis Blues are in the Stanley Cup right now. For our hockey fans, they know that. We talked basketball. We're going to talk a little hockey right now. Um, on January 3rd of this year, the St. Louis Blues were in last place in the NHL. And their GM, Doug Armstrong, at the deadline, didn't make a move. Everyone in St. Louis was like, oh, we got to lose for Jack Hughes. We got to blow this thing up. We got to trade some of our good guys, get future picks. He's like... I like my team. I'm not going to overreact. We're playing better than our record shows. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to blow this team up. I'm also not going to overreact and make some trades to get some people in to help us right now. I'm just going to let it be. And he's in the conversation for executive of the year in the NHL off of not doing anything. 
off of standing pat, which is somewhat antithetical. You'd think, okay, well, I've, I've got to fix something. I've got to, I've got to do something so, to turn what? things around. What? Antithetical. Anti what? Antithetical. Antithetical. Yeah, yeah. Like it's the, I feel like I've explained this to you. Man, can we, can we, after we're done this, after we finish recording this, I'm going into the office, talk to the boss, because you can't, you can't be throwing these words out, DJ. We're trying to talk about football here. I, I don't mind you popping in the hockey analogy. And I think that's, it's fair. I throw basketball analogies in there, here and there to mix it up. But you can't use words like antithetical. Directly opposed or contrasted. Mutually incompatible. Does that make more Directly sense? Opposed, to you? Mutually incompatible. Yeah. That's, like it's not. It, it, give me a synonym. It goes against. Uh, it goes against reason. Can I get? Think a, can I get a synonym? Uh, let's see what Oxford has for us here. Hold on. We don't got that. We don't got that much time. So yes, they didn't make any moves. Winnipeg did not make any moves, and and that's uh, to your point. I think people that do make do make a lot of moves because they feel like that's what. That's what optically makes makes sense is doing something to please the masses is the wrong is the wrong move. Contrary to, con- contradictory, conflicting okay. with, incompatible with, irreconcilable with, inconsistent with, at variance with, at odds with, contrast. What's, what's the first ones again? Contrast. Directly opposed to, okay. contrary antithetical. to, contradictory to, antithetical. So, anyways, okay. the point is you the get it all here. The, the blue bombers, yes. The blue bombers. Did they win? The Grey Cup, no. Did they finish first or second in the West? No, they finished third. But when you actually look at their team, look at their plus minus, they outscored their opponent by 131 points last year. That's second only to Calgary, who was the best team in the league. Saskatchewan, who, who finished with a better record by two games, outscored their opponents by six points. So... If I'm Kyle Walters and I'm Michael Shea and I'm really looking at the landscape of my team, I'm thinking, man, we're we're better than our record shows. We had injury to start the year at the quarterback position. We got through that. Then we had, what, a month stretch with some of the worst play by our quarterback that, that we could imagine. So much so we thought it was such an outlier that we're like, you know what? We're sticking with Matt Nichols. This guy is making crazy turnover after turnover, turnover, costing us games. He has to play better than that. We're not making move. But outside of those two scenarios, they were at times a dominant football team in the West. So they're like, yeah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna overpay and overspend. And yeah, the teams that are spending a lot in free agency, Edmonton and BC. Want to know why? Because they were nine and nine. Because they were last. So they have to. And and to your point, I think. In Winnipeg, they're really, really happy with their team. And they also knew that they had some draft capital as well. And they could improve their team via the, the Canadian draft. To start the season off, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, <clears throat> week one, go to BC. Ooh. And then their second, they have a bye week, week two. But their, their second game is they host Edmonton. So you find out, we'll find out a lot about the West early on. With teams, teams playing each other. I mean, it's that's just... You know, that's how those schedules playing out for the, for those guys with teams that with teams that don't. And this is kind of this is the same the, the same thing goes for the BC Lions that that I see with the Edmonton Eskimos is teams that have made a lot of a lot of changes and added a lot of talent and pieces. And when the season starts, it's it's going to be there's going to be some growing pains possibly. Uh, depending on you know how if they're veteran guys, sometimes teams can just mesh right away. But there's possible growing pains. 
you know, where do you see, do you see either one of these teams uh, having more, uh, taking more time to gel than the other? Or how do you, how do you see this? Because if you look at how, the, how tight the West was last year, I don't think either team can really afford uh, to come out s- slow in the first month. Now, I'm not talking about the first week, and I'm not going to overreact to a week of football. But, I mean, if you look at go- going in, th- you know, three, four, five weeks, and either of these teams are sitting with one or two, one or two wins, you know, after five, six weeks, that's, that's, I think that's an auto, auto issue. Yeah, it, that's why the West, to me, is fascinating. And even though I think the teams in the East got better, the West is still the more compelling division because – you can't afford to start 0-2, 0-3. It might be a, a wrap in terms of right. sp- specifically right. if you want to host the playoff game. Right. Uh, where in the East, I mean, we've, we've seen it over the last couple of years. You can't afford to have a slow start. You can have a slow start, mill, and end if you're the Toronto Argos and a couple of years go win a great cup. So, yeah, and, and to circle back to our previous conversation – that's why when the games are in the preseason and how you get ready for the real season matters. And that's why having such a huge layoff between games and being able to evaluate your team could matter. And I think the one team I'm really, really interested in how they start is, is BC. Can I ask you a question before, before you move on to BC? Can I ask you a question? Edmonton and Winnipeg right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, you look at the continuity. Winnipeg has an offense. Matt Nichols is back for his whatever season. Um, Darwin, Darwin Adams, Dembski, Andrew Harris. Mm-hmm. Offensive line is solid. Uh, offensive coordinators there. Look at their talent on offense, and then you look at Edmonton who who loaded up when got Trevor Harris, um, Devaris Daniels from Calgary, Greg Ellingson. Um, Tavon Smith back from the NFL, the Canadian on the outside is going to create problems. And then they got C.J. Gable, who most know is one of the best backs in the league. Right. Who's the better offense right now? And I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here, but it, it, I, the reason I ask the question is because talent on paper versus continuity. Who's going to be better in the first month of the season? If, who's going to be the, a better offense in the first month of the season? If you asked me a week ago, I would have said the Edmonton Eskimos. Today, I say the mm-hmm. Winnipeg Blue Star Vincent. Because of the injury. Yeah, I just don't think people really, one, realize how real he is. Yeah. And two, but realize that. He might be the, he might be the best in the league. Yeah, and, and realize how much it hurts. It's going to hurt them in two spots. Again, if they move Colin Kelly from right tackle to left tackle, this is the, the thought experiment. Cause, um, you, you drive your car, you put the gas with, the, with your right foot, you, you probably do your gear shift with your, with your, with your right hand, I assume. Ima- imagine if you had to do all of that with your other foot and other hand. Right. It would, it would be a massive adjustment. Now imagine if you had to do that in front of thousands of people. So, so I, I think Winnipeg, that continuity will prevail, and I, I like their offense more okay. as of today. Okay. Um, you were talking about the BC Lions. I do. I do. I, I, I'm really interested because if someone told me that the BC Lions are going to finish first in the West, I'd believe them. And if someone told me the BC Lions are going to finish last in the West, I'd believe them. Wow. Honestly, I think that's wow. the, 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 when you have a, a, a that's guy. Pretty, that's antithetical. It certainly is. Well, when, but when you, have, when you bring a guy like Mike Riley into your locker room, he changes the culture, I think. 
And I, I, I don't know if you can. How many points is culture worth? That's well. That's the question, right? right? Because they, the culture may change, but they sure. needed to change in terms of talent. Sure. And they, and two of their most talented players on offense and defense are no longer there because of, of financial reasons. So they made, they brought a lot of talent in, but they also lost some talent out of that building, and, and also guys who were important to the culture when they were winning um, in that building. So I, I don't really know what to suspect. With BC, I do know that they have two crazy layoffs in terms of time. They got an 11-day layoff between preseason games. They got an eight-day layoff between preseason games and and a regular season game. And so I know that those guys have time on their hands. So, man, go out and get your hair cut. Go to sport clips. High Lions, yeah, I'm talking to you. It might be a blessing that you have this messed up preseason schedule, or it could be a curse, but I'm a positive guy. So... Log on cfl.ca slash the waggle if you're not already on the site and listening via our, our podcast page and go get a haircut on us. First time customers only. You know the deal. But to make sure you are efficient with your time, go to sportclips.ca slash contest and see if there's any contests right now that you may apply for. But more importantly, see where the locations are that are near to you. Listen, you're not near your laptop, you're not near your MacBook, it's fine. Take out that smartphone, download the app. That way you can book yourself into an appointment whenever, wherever. Get that MVP experience during TC 2019. During training camp, you got some downtime. Make sure you get that haircut. Will Will Mike Riley be Will Mike Riley be an MVP? Will Mike Riley be an MVP with I I look at this uh there's there's been some interviews and some some conversation with him and Deron Carter. Obviously, BC trying to promote the the stars they have and the personality in in Deron. And Deron said, "Hey, look, you're going to see a different Deron Carter this year because I'm allowed. I'm now allowed allowed to be myself. And when I'm allowed to be myself, the energy I bring to the field is going to allow me to make plays and also be infectious." With everyone else, I'm a firm believer, and uh, you know, the people I talk to around around the league are, are a lot feel the same way. That Jerry's Jackson is one of the best offensive minds and offensive coordinators because of last year's struggles and mostly because of the injury to Travis. Um, you know, they didn't get off to a, a start or have the season they would want. But you know, pairing Jerry's who get the ball down the field, and then having Deron Carter and Brian Burnham who they're going to put they're gonna put the ball up those are two of the best deep ball guys in the game and you know as much as uh, as much as I hate you can't make the club in the tub mm-hmm. I still haven't got a tweet yet telling me about about what the new one is but as long as I, as much as I hate that I also hate the phrase 50 50 ball what um, it's, it's, it's played out it's it's overused it's oversaturated okay right. um, but yeah, I like 50 50 balls but let's find something else anyway contested throws uh, with Burnham and Carter are going to be there the ball's going up and uh, you know you made you made this comment a couple weeks ago uh, I do listen to you DJ thank you I do uh, you said and it was I had never thought about it but it was it was a great point you said it's better to be open late than open early and I think that's with those two guys and the and the arm that Mike Riley has the ball's going the ball's going up and uh, Brian Burnham Deron Carter those two guys gonna get it so basically the, the west is wide open I think what <laughs> BC could be could win the west or they could be last in the west and I, I'm with you I wouldn't be all that surprised either way you know what 
I thought to myself, man, BC added arguably the best player in the league in Mike Riley at the most important position in the game, and they moved on from, and this is not disrespect because there's only nine starters, but arguably the worst starting quarterback in the league last year in Jonathan Jennings. So how, I mean, don't get mad at me, just look at the stats. So how many wins is that worth, right? Like, how many wins is that alone worth? If they made no other changes, how many wins is that worth? But then I thought to myself, well, I mean, Mike Raleigh did play for the Eskimos, and Eskimos had the exact same record as BC last year, and they had the exact same record at home, the exact same record away, exact same record in the division. They were pretty much the exact same team. So, I don't know. The point is, I don't know what to think in the West, which is why it's going to be fascinating to watch. Let us know what you think. We're not experts. We just pretend that we are. Well, I mean, Davis is an expert on, on shutting down people man-to-man. How do you rank the West? Where do you got it? Is it going to be similar to last year? Or was Calgary 1, Saskatchewan 2, Winnipeg 3, BC 4, Edmonton 5? Could you flip those, and could that be the West? No, I don't think Calgary's going to finish last, no matter what happens. Can you at, can you at us on yes. this? Because I, I don't just say who. Tell us why, because I, I want to know what, okay. what the reason is. to. They got to show why. their work, oh, yeah, eh? They, I, we can I all, hate those. I know why. When I hated those teachers. We have to show their work. <laughs> yeah. Did I get the right answer or not? Oh, I used to hate that. Show your work. You know, what, you know why I hated to have to show my work? Why? Because I was a master of looking look over about two two seats up and one to the left, and I could just, I, had, I got great vision. This yeah. takes so long to show, show your work. Long uh, division. Well, I mean, <laughs> is that getting you ready for life? When I go to the bank to pay a bill, do they ask me how'd you get the money? They're like, no. Do you have enough? Show your work. Facts. Let uh, next week. Next week we're gonna do the same thing with the East, kind of go through the landscape of the East and, and how how it looks. We won't call it a preview because there might be some of that later on, but we will go back through the through the East and and kind of have the same conversation. Right, Deej? I lied. What's up? Montreal's QB situation was much worse than what Jonathan Jennings was doing last year. He wasn't the worst. I need to put some more respect on his name. This has been the Waggle.